Would you turn with me to the book of John this evening? Gospel account of John. We began some weeks ago on Friday nights teaching on the subject of healing. We began a series entitled Receiving and Ministering Healing. And we began going through the individual accounts of healing that are recorded in the four gospel accounts. We had uh, said to you that in these Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only about 19 individual cases of healing. Now you think there are more than that because oftentimes two or three writers record the same one. And oftentimes, I didn't mean that's all the people that got healed in Jesus' ministry. Numerous times it says multitudes were healed. As many as touched him were healed. But I'm talking about a case where it tells you who the individual was, what was wrong with them, how they got to Jesus, how they received, how he ministered to them. There's only about 19 of those with healing. Now, if you, you know, if you want to be technical about it, there were some people that were delivered and there were some people that were raised from the dead. You'd have to add to that number. We're not including that. Just the ones that were individual cases of healing. So we looked, anybody remember what we looked at previously? The cases? What was the first one we looked at? Anybody remember? The healing of the leper. And then the second one, what was that? That was the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And and, uh, number three, last week we talked about the healing of the man who was born by four, the paralyzed man. So uh, number four tonight, we're going to look at the instance of the healing of the nobleman's son in John chapter four. So if you would please turn to John four. And I'd like to have one of those Amplified Bibles. We're going to pray. We're going to read. Do you know people are being healed in these meetings? Yes, they are. We just read, uh, Phyllis just read two or three testimonies. And we've heard others that hadn't been put down. People are being healed. Well, doesn't the Lord watch over his word to perform it? Doesn't faith come by hearing? Well, if you're hearing about healing then you should be increasing in faith for healing. And faith is the determining factor. Of these 19 individual cases, 10 of them, which is the majority by a little bit, 10 of them, the individual's faith was specifically referred to as the determining factor in their being healed. You remember cases like uh, where Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done to you. According to your faith. Ten of those. Well, in several of the others, uh, it didn't specifically say their faith, but you can see their faith. You can see it in action. And then there are a couple of them that their faith wasn't the determining factor. We'll talk about that later. But the majority of the people in Jesus' ministry were healed on their own faith. wonder if it's still that way today. It is. Uh, the individual's faith is the biggest determining factor. There are exceptions to that, but most of the time people are going to be healed through their own faith. Faith comes by hearing. So if you're wanting to develop your faith for healing, you don't just want to hear about water baptism. You don't want to just hear about prosperity. You, you don't want to just hear about something, uh, you know, the second coming or who the Antichrist is. If, if you want faith to be healed, what should you be hearing? About healing. About healing. So uh, in John 4, are you there? Let's begin reading. Let's pray and then we'll read. And I'm going to read this to you first out of the King James. Then I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Now, uh, in uh, different from most of these others, this is only recorded in John. This is not recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. So just in John. Let's pray. We'll read. Father, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for your Holy Spirit whom you've sent to indwell us and to be our guide and helper and teacher. We're believing you for revelation of the word for light and truth that makes free. Cause your truth to to come forth. Give everybody eyes that see and ears that hear and heart open to receive. So that wrong thinking and confusion and darkness and deception is dispelled and pushed out. 
And so that faith rises up in the hearts of the hearers. And we're able to lay hold of what you've provided for us and receive your will in our spirits and in our bodies. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Thank you for utterance. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but doers of the word in Jesus' name. Everybody said out loud, the Lord is my healer. He is the great physician. He forgives all my sins. And he heals all my diseases. I believe God still heals today. And I believe it is his will to heal me. Jesus is my healer. Hallelujah. You believe that? Not everybody does. But if you, if you want to derive the benefits of that, you know, whatever you confess him to be, that's what he'll be to you. If you say Jesus is my savior, then he'll be your savior, right? It's not enough just to believe he's a savior. There are people in, in this city and in this state today and all over the world that believe that God is real, that believe that Jesus is real, that believe he died on the cross, that believe he's coming again and are lost. They believe all that and are lost. Why? They've never received him as their savior. They won't confess him as their Lord and submit to his lordship. You must go beyond him just believing that he is God. No, he must become my God. Right? Must be move beyond believing that he is a savior. No, he's my savior. He's my savior. Must go beyond believing he, he can protect. No, he is my protector. He protects me. Must go beyond believing he can work a financial miracle. No, he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Must make it personal. And you must go beyond believing he can heal and he is a healer. No, he's my healer. Heals me. Heals my spouse. Heals my kids. Heals my friends. Amen. He'll heal your dog. We've seen it. Hey, I've seen him heal people's livestock and, and uh, so people scoff and oh, say, I don't believe that. Well, then it's, you're not going to be bothered with it. <laughs> These signs follow them that believe. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Well, let's read then John, the fourth chapter and the 46th verse. John 4, 46. Says so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Now before I go further, this you remember this is the far as we know the first recorded miracle in Jesus' ministry was the turning of water into wine. And he did it here at this place. And it says, There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick. At Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So he was he was very sick, very ill. Then said Jesus to him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Well, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said to him, Your son lives and himself believed and his whole house. Can healing affect other people? Does healing give glory to God? Is healing an evidence of the goodness of God? And isn't it the goodness of God that draws and leads people to repentance? 
You know, I know people sometimes just don't know any better. But the folk that'll tell other people that, well, God put this cancer on me to teach me something. Don't have a single scripture for it, but, but preach it like it's gospel. And God sent this tornado and blew my house down so I would develop in holiness. And God put this sickness on my baby. And God let me have, caused me to have this car wreck so I could learn some things about humility and, and obedience. And then they turn around and tell lost people, don't you want to receive Jesus? Well, you just got through telling them. He might put cancer on you. He might blow your house down with a, with a tornado. He might tear your car up. What do they want a shepherd like that? They already got a shepherd that kills, steals, and destroys. Huh? Is the Lord a good God or a bad God? Did he come to give us life? Or did he come to steal, kill, and destroy? He came to give us life. And that more abundantly. No, contrary to what some people teach, everything that happens is not the will of God. There's a lot of things that happen that are not the will of God and don't please Him. People leave the impression, well, yeah, you know, everything that happens, happens for a reason. Well, there may be some truth in that, but the implication is that everything that happens is the will of God. And that's not true. I said, that's not true. Take the most basic thing. Somebody dies without Jesus and goes to hell. Well, it happened. It happened for a reason. Reason was they didn't receive Jesus. But is it the will of God? Did it please God? Well, if the Lord lets things happen that serious, that's not his will, then he's going to let lesser things happen that are not his will. Why? The Lord said this to me one time in a time of prayer. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but distinctly inside me. He said, Keith, all of the, the agony and all of the pain and all of the lack and problems that are in the world today are because man has a free will and has chosen wrongly. Somebody said, well, it's because of the devil. Well, the devil could have never done anything unless man had used his free will to disobey. Right? So no, no, don't. It, it actually aggravates me when I hear people talking about, well, you know, God must have a purpose in those little kids dying of starvation. Absolutely not. You don't know God if you talk like that. God didn't create that. He didn't create sin. He didn't create famine. The curse is in the earth because of sin. Killing and stealing and destroying is the work of the devil, Jesus said. Oh, but we know a healer. We know a provider. We know a blesser. We know somebody that can fix the problem. No matter how bad human beings and the devils mess it up, we know somebody that can fix it. Aren't you glad? But no, don't come telling me that God did the destruction and that God is the killer and God put the cancer. No, I don't believe it. You can believe it if you want to. I'll still love you. But don't be mad at me because I don't believe it. No, he's a healer. I said he's a healer. Jesus never made anybody sick, did he? Isn't Jesus the express image of the Father? Didn't he say, if you see me, you've seen the Father? So could we say accurately that everything Jesus said and did that's recorded in these four gospel accounts is a direct revelation of the perfect will of the Father God for all people, for all time? Do you ever see him make somebody sick? Did you ever see him tell somebody, I'm sorry, it's not the Father's will to heal you? Even one time. Do you ever ever see him tell somebody, no, uh, God's working something out in your life in this, and it's not time yet? Then where did all that come from? In order for something to be scriptural, you should have something for it. Scriptures. Right? You should have scriptures. Right? You can see where he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. 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 And every one of these cases we read about, we see people being healed. 
Here's a nobleman coming, wanting healing for his son. And what happened? The boy wound up healed. But there had to be some changes. Because the man's faith wasn't there. It wasn't complete when he first approached Jesus. Now let me read this to you out of the Amplified and let's begin talking about how this man, how Jesus ministered to this man, and then also how the man received. Everybody say it again. Jesus Jesus. is my Lord. Lord. He's my Savior. Savior. He's also my healer. healer. Amen. Amen. John 4, and I'm reading to you out of the Amplified, and let's begin to take uh, different ones of these verses, break it down, see how Jesus ministered, how he received. Verse 46, John 4. Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Like I said, uh, the, the text actually tells us that the turning of water into wine was the first miracle in Jesus' life, in his ministry, I should say. You know, some apocryphal writings have Jesus as a child, raising little birds from the dead, healing his little friends as he played. These are untrue. I said, these are untrue. Number of reasons why this is a problem. Number one, the Bible plainly says that the turning of water into wine was the first miracle. So if you believe anything else, then you're not believing that. Secondly, that puts forth the doctrine that Jesus operated as God in the earth. And that even as a child, he could function with powers as God. And this is not true. Philippians tells us that he laid aside his mighty weight and glory and became like other men. Well, men can't just heal other men at will, at whim. And Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, didn't stop being the Son of God. He laid aside his power and became like other men. And it was only, you remember, when he was baptized in the river Jordan. And he came up out of the river. And the Holy Spirit came and sat on him. Amen. Amen. And then the Bible said he went into the wilderness and he was tempted those 40 days and nights. And the Bible said he came out in the power of the Spirit. And we begin to see him preaching and teaching in power, casting out spirits, ministering healing to people. How? Acts said he did it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing. See, Jesus ministered healing just like another man would minister healing. He didn't do it as God. Now, there is a difference in that the the scripture said he had the spirit without measure. Today, he's the head and I'm part of the body. You're part of the body. I have gifts and graces. You have gifts and graces. You put us all together all over the world. We got it all. Well, no no one man or, or woman has it all. Nobody is the body, just a part of the body. But when he walked the earth, he was the body of Christ. And he was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, rolled into one. All the gifts of the Spirit and anointings rolled into one. Amen. Amen. But again, we're not lacking today in the body of Christ. You put us all together, we have all of it. If we'll learn about it. Amen. Amen. So anyway... We, we don't believe those apocryphal writings in, in that respect. We believe that the turning of water was into wine was the first miracle. And then they tell us that this healing right here is the next recorded miracle, which would be the first recorded instance of healing. That's what scholars say. But in, in John 4, let's keep reading. It says, there was a certain royal official. I'm reading the Amplified. Certain royal official whose son was lying ill in Capernaum. Having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him to come down and cure his son, for he was lying at the point of death. Now let's just stop right here. The Amplified, rightly so, so, says he was a royal official. King James says what? Nobleman. This is a man of influence, a man of position, probably a man of wealth man with some prestige. And he comes to Jesus 
who is, from the natural standpoint, a carpenter's son, a man who didn't go to seminary, a man who is not approved of by the doctors of the law, a man it is not popular to listen to. But he didn't care. I said he didn't care. His child was ill. And he, he had heard about healings in this man's ministry. And he went to him. Notice he didn't send to fetch him. Well, tell that preacher to come see me. That's disrespectful. You ever notice James 5? Talking about to the church. Is there any sick among you? Let them what? Huh? Call for the elders of the church. Didn't say that the preachers was just supposed to know it automatically and be there. If they're able, they're supposed to ask. And really, if you, if you read that, uh, scholars tell us that the word for, for sick there and infirm leaves the impression that this person is not able to get up and get around for themselves. They're, they're not able to, to believe for themselves. They're almost out of it. Well, that's when you, you should have help from your church. Right? Yes. But you ask, you request. You, you can tell, I, I had the privilege of working in a healing school for a number of years and other areas of ministry and visiting people. And, and you can tell volumes about what's going to happen, if anything's going to happen with people, by the tones they use when they start talking to you. Y'all believe in that healing stuff? Think you could pray? Disrespectful. Did you hear that? Well, why don't you come over and and, and check on this? People act like, you know, and and I, when I first got into ministry, I thought, well, a minister, ministry means serve. And I'm a servant to the people. And I'm supposed to help anybody that I can. And so anybody that asked me to talk to them, I would. If they said, would you counsel with me? I'd do it. Would you come pray? I'd come pray. Would you go visit? I did it. And about killed myself. And was wore out and wasn't, and was losing my anointing to speak because I was allowing the enemy through other people directing what I was doing with my day to waste all kind of time. Did you hear me? I'm not telling you something I heard about. I'm telling you something I experienced. And so I, I learned that, no, I'm not supposed to just do everything everybody asked me to do. I'm supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And uh, there's so many times that uh, you'd just be wasting time with people because all they want to do is sit down and tell you for two hours what they think. <laughs> they don't really want to hear. They don't want to receive. And it takes a while to develop in this area to discern some of these things. But after a while, you can begin to see. I had a fellow one time catch me after he saw me. I was in a service. And there was a guy there that was all primed and wanted to talk to me. And I didn't talk to him. I left the room. And he was so mad. Man, he he caught this other guy and bent his ear. And he said, no, I don't understand that. He said, I thought this fellow was a preacher. Why didn't he take time and talk to me? The guy said, I don't know. He just didn't. And uh, the uh, the guy caught me. He said, I don't understand this. He said, why didn't you stay and talk to him? I said, because I didn't want to. He said, uh, well, ain't you a preacher? I said, yeah. Is there a verse somewhere that says preachers are supposed to stop and talk to everybody that wants to talk? Well, this is going over big, ain't it? Can you see that? Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, people jump to conclusions and they don't know what's going on. Amen. And uh, uh, so anyway, I said, well, I said, I don't owe this explanation to you. I said, but I'm going to tell you something. Sit down. I said, did you talk to that guy? He said, yeah, for two hours. Yeah. I said, and what did he say? Oh, he's got some harebrained doctrine he wanted to tell you about. I said, was it scriptural and good? He said, no. I said, what you don't know is I perceived that when I was standing a few feet from him. And what you also didn't know, there was another guy in that other room that I spent an hour with, and it was time well spent. He received. He received a healing. 
Hmm? Now you'll see this as we go through this. This man, this man is a nobleman. He didn't send for Jesus to fetch this uneducated, itinerant preacher to come see me. I'm an important man. Surely he'll drop everything and come see me. There was a fellow that had that attitude in the Old Testament. You remember him? Naaman. Anybody remember Naaman? Y'all not enjoying this part? I'm going to stay with it a little bit. Because this, we're talking, you, you must say, Brother Keith, I thought this was healing. This is healing. There's a reason why this man is in the book. Why his son got healed and others didn't. Did you hear me? And one of the big things you will see this, uh, a super big connection between faith and humility. The two go hand in hand. You show me somebody that knows a lot about faith and is full of faith. I'm not talking about somebody who talks faith talk. I'm talking about somebody who really is full of faith. I'll show you somebody who's developed in humility. Pride is like a wall between you and God. And in order to uh, to operate in faith, you must learn true humility. And that humility is not self degradation. It's not self. Uh, debasing yourself and oh I'm so unworthy and, and you know I'm no good and I'm this and that no humility is acknowledging the truth pride believes lies about itself other people in this nobleman's position would have believed hey I'm important this guy's not he should come to me he should uh, you know I'll just call him and, and get him to minister to my boy he didn't do that. What did he do? You'll find that Cain of Galilee, Capernaum, is about some uh, 15, 20 miles apart. And this man walked this distance. I said he walked this distance. It ain't like today. He didn't just jump in his car. And he, he traveled this distance. He, he had to want to do this. He must have had some confidence in Jesus. Mustn't he? He must have had some faith in him. In the ministry. And so he. uh, He came. We remember the story of. uh, Naaman the Syrian. Anybody remember that? Was that in 2 Kings? How uh, Naaman was a leper. And he heard that. uh, uh, The prophet. In the land of Israel had a healing ministry. And so he went over there to check on it. Well, now you got to have some, something's got to be stirring in you for you to even make the trip, right? You must believe that something's going on. You got to have some faith, but faith that somebody can be healed, that healings are happening, is not sufficient faith to receive a healing for yourself. You got to go beyond that. Well, man, God's moving over there, and, and things are happening, and I'm gonna go get in. Well, that's great. That is a measure of faith. But it takes more than that for you to receive. You'll see that's what happened in this story. Well, you remember Naaman brought his royal uh, chariots and all his ensemble. And they pulled up in the driveway. And the man of God wouldn't even come see him. (laughs) Didn't even come out of the house. And he came all that way. (laughs) We're dealing with something tonight, Brother Mo. Uh. He said, you know, the man of God sent his uh, servant out, his servant. And he says, well, who are you? <laughs> he said, well, I'm, I'm uh, the man of God's servant. Well, when's he coming out? He ain't coming. <laughs> Made him mad. Made him mad. <laughs> I had the privilege of working under uh, Dr. Kenneth Hagin for years. And uh, for, a long, for, for several years, people would come to see him and wound up with me a lot of times. <laughs> and a lot of them were really disappointed at first, boy. They, but thank God for it was over with. A lot of them were okay. But, uh, and, and so many of them, I thought, I'm so glad you didn't get to Brother Hagen because you would have just wasted his time. Because they just wanted to tell me what they thought. But here the man of God wouldn't even come out. 
And he said, come on now, you, you got to be kidding. We came all the way from this other country here. And this preacher ain't even coming out to see me. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> Has anybody ever said that to us before? <laughs> Secretaries, anybody ever said that to y'all? At our office. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> That's not how you get healed. Now see, you may think I've digressed, but this is very important. This is not how you get healed. You don't tell the Lord how to heal you. You don't tell him how to meet your needs. You don't tell him how to do things. You believe him to do it. And then you do what he leads you to do. You can't say, no, no, I didn't want it to happen that way. I wanted you to do this. And I wanted you to use so-and-so. And I wanted you to get them to do this. You're going to miss it. That's pride. That's how you miss God. That's how you stay sick. That's how you go year after year and don't get your needs met. If the Lord says in the river is where it's at today, then that's where it's at today. Amen. Whatever he says. You know, that is the key to miracles. That is the the key to miracles is what Jesus' mother told the bunch at that first miracle, you know, at the wedding feast there. Well, isn't that what she told them? She just looked at them and said, whatever he says to you, do it. Is that still good advice today? And did they have a miracle? Just by doing what he, which seemed, why fill a water pot full of water? That's not what we need. But they did it. Amen. And they got the miracle. Hallelujah. Why put mud in a man's eye? Huh? See, some of the things the Lord will tell you to do, to your mind, it doesn't make sense. You think, well, now why? You say, Lord, I, I got to get an answer on this. He says, go to that meeting over there. Well, Lord, I need, I need help. I don't, I don't want to go to another meeting. That's how you miss God. Amen. Lord, you got you got to get me out of this. You got you got to bail me out with this money. Uh, go over to so and so's house and take them a check. Lord, I'm wanting money. You understand? I'm low on money. <laughs> now, do you do you understand? This is not just a two or three or four cases in the world. We're we're having mass problems. Of people who want it another way. And are going month after month and year after year. And in some cases decade after decade. Not having victory. Not coming out. Because they want it another way. No, I don't want it that way. So Naaman says, uh, do you know who I am? I'm commander in chief of the armies over there. I'm a four star general. And you telling me this preacher ain't coming out to see me? I sit down and eat with kings. That would be lack of respect for God. Right? And you can see why the Lord didn't send him out. Do you know that there are times when preachers would be disobedient and displease God if they go visit? Or if they counsel or talk. Am I making this up or is this scripture? And then, of course, if the Lord told them to do something and they didn't do it, they'd be disobedient too. So anyway, he says, well, the man of God said that you should go down to the river and dip seven times. And then you'll be okay. (laughs) That made them so mad. They peeled out of the driveway. Left black marks all the way out. (laughs) Or hoof prints, whatever it was. (laughs) Hoof skid marks. And they're ripping down the road and naming steaming. And he thought, who does that preacher think he is? Come out to see me. And I don't know how long they rode that way. But one of Naaman's aides that was riding beside him said, you know, General Naaman, we were prepared 
to give big money. We were prepared to go to the ends of the earth. We were prepared to do whatever instruction the man of God said if it was a big thing. He says, go over here and dip. It's right down the road. Why don't let's just do it? And you know the story. Like a lot of worldly dignitaries, he probably was quiet for a while and said, you know, I think since we're here, <laughs> you know, we were prepared to do big stuff. I think, well, let's just go ahead and go on by there. And, and the helper says, that's an excellent idea. Excellent idea. <laughs> and he dipped seven times. And when he came up the seventh time, a miracle His flesh, which was leprous and awful, became clean like a child's. Because he did what the Lord told him. Everybody say, he did. What the Lord told him. We know what he had in his mind. He said, surely I thought. These are his words. Naaman's words. Surely I thought the man of God would come out and call on his God and strike his hand over the place. He thinks the man, the preacher's going to come and see me personally and he's going to pray over me and he's going to lay hands on me. But he didn't do it. And yet he told him what to do. And he did it and was healed. Can you say amen? Now notice this. Keep reading. Verse 47, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him to come down and cure his son, for he was lying at the point of death. Do you see humility? This man, a royal official, he's here, maybe he's kneeling, I don't know, but he's, he's almost begging the Lord. Lord, would you come to my house and heal my boy? He's really sick. He's at the point of death right now. Would you please come? And Jesus said, well, sure I will. What's preachers for? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Who's our example? Is there a better example to follow than Jesus? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, unless, this is the Amplified, unless you see, everybody say see. see. Unless you see signs and miracles happen, you never will believe. You won't trust or have faith at all, the Amplified says, unless you what? See. So was this man's faith in position to receive healing for his boy when he first came to Jesus? No, no he wasn't. When was he going to believe that his boy is healed? He, he, he was thinking, well, Jesus will come with me back to the house and maybe he'll pray over him and lay hands on him and then he'll get better and then he's going to believe that he's healed and be glad. Is this faith? No. It's not faith. But are a lot of people operating right there? Yes. When are you going to believe that you're healed? Uh, just recently somebody, somebody was telling me this. Well, you know, Seeing is believing. (laughs) Nothing could be further from the truth. If you're seeing, it's too late to believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. If you're seeing it and you're feeling it, can't be in faith for it. Did you hear me? You're in faith for it when as yet you don't see it. And you don't feel it. Instead of saying seeing is believing, the psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. Hmm? What comes first, seeing or believing? Let me ask you again, which comes first? Seeing or believing? Believing comes first. Then you see. The seeing is the fruit of the believing. Right? You don't believe when you see. It's too late to believe. I've had people tell us, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Talking about our ministry. (laughs) Huh? Well, I'll just watch and see. Let's just watch and see what happens. Well, they just told me they have no faith in me. 
No. No. When is it faith? When you can't see any way for it to be done. You have not a clue where the money would come from. You don't know how your body could be healthy and whole again. But you say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. It's written. And I believe I receive. And so I count it done now. I count it done now. Here's the key of faith now. When are you going to believe it's done? Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24. Anybody remember those, those great verses? What do you say, Mark 11, 23 and 20? Well, well, verse 24. Mark 11, 24. What things serve you desire? When you pray, do what? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When do you have them? After you believe you receive. When do you believe you receive them? Before you have them. Now, when ta- have them means you feel them. You see them. Got the money in the pocket. Body's changed. You must believe you're healed when you still look and feel sick. Yes. You must believe and call your needs met when you're still broke. Yes. And don't see any way for the money to come in. Amen. Hmm? Yes. Pile those bills up on the kitchen table. And look at them and say, I call you paid. I call every one of these bills paid. When you don't have a clue how in the world you could do it. But then when you get through talking and you get through praying. Now if you just keep on night and day begging, oh God, please, please, you got to help me. Please, you got to help. When are you going to believe he's helping? Huh? You keep begging God. there's, There's no telling how many Christians are in hospitals across the face of the world tonight. Begging God to heal them. Please, God, would you heal me? If you'll heal me, I'll try to serve you. I'll try to do it. Please, if you'll heal me. But no faith. When are you going to believe you're healed? When are you going to believe you heard your prayer? When are you going to believe you received? They're waiting to see something. They're like this man was right here. He said, unless you see something, you won't believe. And in that position, there was not going to be a healing. The man, his faith was not complete enough to receive a healing. He believed that somebody could be healed. He believed there was healing in Jesus' ministry. He had respect for it. He came, but it's not enough. You must believe you receive. And you must believe you receive before you feel and see. Now, I know I'm taking some time and I'm, I'm being repetitive. But, friend, if you were in a, in a real situation and, and, and want some help tonight, you wouldn't care how long I went if you got helped. And, and I'm not talking about hype. I'm not talking about Keith's opinion. I'm not talking about theory. These are scriptures. You put them into practice, they will work. I don't care how sick you've been, how long you've been sick. You can be healed. I don't care how broke you are, how bad it is. You can come out. I know you can. I've seen it too many times. But you can't bump along day after day begging. This man was pleading, please, Jesus, please come to my house. Please. My boy, he's near death. Please come and hurry and come. Desperation. That's not faith. Oh, you'd be tempted to do it. Oh, yeah. But it's not faith. Verse 49, how did the man respond? The king's officer pleaded with him, Sir, come down now. Come down at once before my little child is dead. Is the man there yet? He's not there. Is he still wanting to see something? Yeah. Is he still wanting Jesus to come with him? Yeah. He's not there yet. Jesus answered him. Go in peace. Go your way. Your son will live. King James says your son lives. Now let's just stop right here. Has he received the word of the Lord? Is this significant? Is the Lord going to change this for him? I'm talking about is he going to change his word for him? After he said, now you go. You go home. Your boy's all right. You go on and go home now. Your son's going to live. He's got a big decision, doesn't he? 
He's got no reason from the natural to believe that his boy has changed. He hasn't seen anything. He hasn't heard anything. He's got no reason to believe his boy is going to live and be okay, except, and doesn't get any better than this, <laughs> the Lord told him he lives. And the implication is he will live. Put yourself between them right now or, or on the side of them. This man is pleading with him. He's asked him twice already to come. Remember? He's an important man. He's used to people doing his bidding. He's not used to asking people like this. And he said, please, would you come? Please, please. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're not going to believe unless you see, are you? He said, please, come. My boy's about to die. Please. Should Jesus have given in to this man? Hmm? Should he have given in to him and done what he asked him to do and been a good preacher and tag along and go visit? Should he? Now, there's times when Jesus did go with people, right? And there's times when he didn't. How do you know what to do? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We should be led of him, not led by people's requests, not led by needs, not led by desperation, not led by fear, led by the Holy Spirit. Right? Yes. This is different than how some folk do. I know it. But if we want results, we have to do things the way he did them. Amen. He said, please, Jesus, please come. You understand? My boy is about dead. He's, when I left the house, they thought he's dying. Hurry up and, and come. Jesus looked at him and said, your boy lives. Go home. Now, what do you do? Hmm? You got you got nothing that would cause you to believe this in the natural. But you got the word. What did he do? I said, what did he do? Are you reading? And the man. What did he do? Did he have faith? Has his faith come up to another level now? Is he walking by sight now? No. Oh, does this excite you like it does me? Oh, the, the man put his trust in what Jesus said and he did what? Huh? He started home, the Amplified says. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord, to get this out. He started home. This is acting your faith. This is what opens the door to miracles in the earth. Not just when you say you believe something, but when you act on faith in the Word. He acted on what the Lord told him. I imagine he looked at him and said, thank you. And turned around and walked away. With no phone call, no message, no doctor's report, nothing in the natural to cause him to think that his boy is going to be okay. And his house is not down the block. His house is 15 to 20 miles away. And he doesn't have a car. The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk. Huh? By faith. Everybody say 15 miles. Of casting down imaginations. Fifteen miles of ignoring fearful thoughts. Now the devil's the same then as he is now. I know exactly what was what was happening because I've walked down that road before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you heard from the Lord, but that's all you had. You didn't have anything else to cause you to think that it's going to turn out okay. Everything else still looked bad. Everything still felt bad. You didn't have any idea how it could change or what, what it would take. But you, you go down the road. And I know what the devil was doing with him. He was sitting on his shoulder and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't have time for all this. Go back and get that preacher. 
He's the one that's healing people. You go back and get him, and I don't care what you have to do, you get him to your house. If he'd have turned around, the boy would have probably died. And this story wouldn't be in here. Amen. That's right. Did you hear that now? If he had turned around, if he had what what about the man that wavers? Huh? What James say? When you ask, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. You know, not let that man that wavers think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. You can't, you can't be back and forth. Well, I, I know we prayed last week at the church, but I just, I think I'll go back and get them to pray again. I'm just not sure. I just don't think it happened. I know I did. And that's why you got some folk, bless their hearts, they in every healing line, every meeting they go to, they try to get it again, and the years pass by and it's not happening. When are you going to believe it's done? When are you going to believe he's heard your prayer? When are you going to believe you've got it? You can't wait till you see. When are you going to believe you're healed? Can you believe you've received your healing when you still hurt worse than you ever have? Huh? Yeah, you can. Can you believe you're saved even though you messed up and didn't look like a Christian? Hmm? Even though you failed and had to repent, can you still believe you're saved? Can you still believe you're the righteousness of God? Yeah, you can by faith. And you can believe you're healed when you're hurt all over. When the doctor just gave you the worst report you've ever heard. You can still thank him and go out in the car and say, I don't care. None of these things move me. In Jesus' name, I prayed three weeks ago and I believed I received my healing. And I have my healing. I'm healed. I called my body healed. Somebody say, you're not healed. I believe I'm healed. Didn't say I felt healed or looked healed or the report. I believe. That's what faith is all about. It's when you don't see. And you don't feel. We don't we don't see the money to pay for the rest of this place, but it's coming. And I go ahead right now and call every seat paid for. Every seat full. Don't think it won't happen. Just hide and watch if you don't think. And I know all this bunch does think. And believe. Well, where's it coming from? Hmm? I've had people ask us, well, who's, what big organization is underwriting y'all? We've, we've been asked this question more than once. What denomination is underwriting y'all? What group is underwriting y'all? What wealthy person is underwriting y'all? It's the richest one you've ever heard of. <laughs> you ain't never met nobody this rich. <laughs> Where's it going to come from? He'll come by it honest. Right? But faith calls it done before you can see how. He said, go, go your way. And the man started down that road. Can you, can you see him going down that dusty road? <laughs> can you imagine what's going through his mind? You know how many times he was tempted to turn around? And try to run back and get Jesus. Huh? If he'd have turned around, the boy would have probably died. He didn't turn around. If he thought about turning around, he grabbed his ear and said, no, no, uh uh-uh. We're not trying to get the boy healed. Jesus said he lives. Jesus said he lives. Yeah, but you know what he looked like? He had those big dark circles under his eyes. He was comatose. The doctor said he might not make it through the after. I don't care. I don't care about all. That's not. I don't believe that. Jesus said he lives. How many understand you got to get a hold of the word of God and hold on to it? I mean for life. you got to hold on to it with everything you're worth and not let anything or anybody pull you off of it. Because all things will come. Feelings will come. Symptoms will come. Well-meaning people that don't know any better come so well now. That's passed away. You know, Jesus could heal and the apostles could heal. But when the last apostle died, that all passed away. And and that's not how it works nowadays. And it's not always the Lord's will. And his ways are mysterious. And you just never know. Where's that at in the Bible? You just never know. Where's that at? 
First imaginations. <laughs> Have you ever walked down this road? This guy's walking down. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. When you walk by faith, what do you do? You keep your face straight ahead. And you just keep heading toward the house. You got to turn around. You got to go back. See, what, you know, the enemy, one of his favorite lines, have you ever heard it before? Is, what are you going to do? You ever heard that one before? What are you going to do? And I mean, he'll say it to you 10,000 times a day. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Man, you got to have X amount of money by the end of the week. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? They told you that you got, I mean, this is incurable. They told you this is terminal. They told you you probably won't live the year out. What are you going to do? And if you listen to that, you know it won't be long. What will come out of your mouth? You'll say, what am I going to do? And you say, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You go, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you've got no faith. You're just completely faithless at this point. Full of fear. Not, not cooperating with the Lord. Can't do that. What are you going to do? You're going to do what he told you to do. Amen. And what's he going to do? He's going to do what he told you he would do. Yes, and it's going to be okay. Yes. Everybody say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to walk by faith. And my faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world. Somebody needs to say it again. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. Because I walk by faith. Faith is the victory. My God is faithful to me. I'm going to be okay. Amen. That's a faith statement. I'm going to be okay physically. I'm going to be okay in my marriage. I'm going to be okay in my finances. I'm going to be okay. And better than okay. Amen. I'm going to whoop this thing. Then I'm going to be more than a whooper. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, don't be afraid. I have whooped the world. Right? I know Arkansas people understand that. I'm from Mississippi. Well, keep reading. Go in peace. Your son lives. Why is this story in this book? Why is it here? Because the man acted on what Jesus told him. He said, thank you. And he walked away without seeing a thing, without feeling a thing. And he overcame and cast down imaginations and everything that bothered him that whole way. And he just kept one foot in front of the other. And he kept going to the house. Jesus said, go home. So what do you do when Jesus says, go home? Go home. How many know it would be one of the biggest faith acts for some people? Just go home and sit down and not worry about it. Go home and go to bed. Yeah, but we got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray because it's awful. We got to pray. You could pray a year like that and be worse shape when you get through than when you started. It's not just praying. You must pray in faith. When Jesus says go home, it ain't time to pray. And fast is time to do what? Go home. I bet, you know, you know how I know some of this stuff? There's been times in my life before. I was all primed. Man, I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to stay up all night. I missed a meal. I'm ready. And the Lord said, go to bed. God, I got to pray about this. I mean, this is an important deal. I got to pray. He said, go to bed. I'll take care of it. But now what do you do? If you pray and grovel all night, you are disobedient and unbelieving. The Lord says, go home. What do you do? He says, go to bed. What do you do? If you've if you got any faith, you're going to say, all right, all right. I cast the care of it over on you. Here you go. You take care of it. I'm going to take a nap. That's faith. That's faith. He kept walking. Verse 51. Now, I don't know uh, exactly how long this was. Like we said, it was 15 miles. And he already made the trip one way. This might have been an overnight deal, you see. Because this is a distance. I mean, how long did it take you to walk 15 miles? Or 20? Long time. And he just did it. He already did it one time. 
So I don't know how many hours this was. But he's on the road and his servants met him. They, he sees some of his people that work for him and help him. He's a wealthy man coming out of the house to meet him. What do you think the devil told him? Hmm? See there? There they come. Boy died. Because you wouldn't go get Jesus. Hmm? Does that sound like the devil? Now it's too late. But you're still walking by faith. How I many know you got to keep walking by faith all the way to the house? All the way up the front step, right? Just what do you do with that thought? Cast it down. No, no. Jesus didn't say he's going to die the time I get here. He said he lives. He said he lives. Can you stand on one word from the Lord and have a miracle in your life and have your whole life changed? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And uh, his servants met him. And as soon as they saw him, got close enough for him to hear, they opened their mouth. And what they say? <laughs> Your son lives. Amen. He's heard that before. Hallelujah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Your son lives. Hallelujah. How many know that even though there's nobody agreeing with you in the beginning, you stay in faith long enough, everybody will have to come back around and say, well, he's alive. Yeah, he is. We sure didn't know it. You know, we didn't think so. Well, it sure wasn't your faith then. You got to believe it before you see it. Your son lives. He said, now what happened? When did he start changing? And they said, well, yesterday at the seventh hour, verse 52, he said, he asked them at what time he began to get better. Did you hear this? Began to get better. Are all healings instantaneous? No. Is recovery healing from God too? Yes, it is. You, you stop getting worse and you start getting better. Amen. I'm thinking of so many stories and I'm already past time here. You want to hear one story? You got time for a story? Years ago, I went to visit a man in the hospital and he was, the doctor said he's dying. They said he probably wouldn't make it out the week. Every day he was getting progressively worse, much worse. Every day for the last, I don't know how many weeks, he just got worse, worse, worse. And uh, I sat down and talked to him for a while. He's very weak. And I knew if, I'm, if this man's going to be helped, he's got to get in faith somewhere. And it's not just my faith. I have to hook my faith up with his faith. Where's he at? What can he believe? And in talking with him for a few minutes, I saw he, his faith is not at the place where he just believes he's going to receive his healing and he's going to be okay and jump out of bed and go. He wasn't there. So... I got a hold of this. I said, I said, brother, I said, do you believe you and I could pray? We could join hands and we could pray and that tomorrow you would be no worse than you are today. Amen. And I said, well, what good is that? He's getting worse every day. How do you receive? According to your faith. He looked at me. He'd never thought about that because other folk had been trying to get him to do something else. And he said, I do. Yeah. I said, that's wonderful. I said, I want to pray with you. God's going to hear us. Tomorrow, you're not going to be any worse. (laughs) Not that that sounds funny, but we did. I went back to see him the next day about the same time. He, He still was not doing too good, but guess what he said? He said, the doctor said, I'm no worse. He and I praised God. We did. We lifted up our hands and we said, thank you, Lord. Now we're on a roll. You see this? I said, brother, I believe you could be a little better tomorrow. Not only would you not be any worse, but you could be some better. I said, you believe that? God's done this for us. He said, I believe it. Pray, brother, pray. (laughs) I prayed with him. Came back the next day. What do you think? He said, hey, Brother Keith, I'm better. I said, I can see that from walking in the room. His color was better. Now, he wasn't, you know, you wouldn't call him healed, but he wasn't any worse. In fact, he's a little better, little, little better. I said, brother, he said, I know it, I know it. He said, uh, I believe I could be a good bit better. See, he's telling me. See, this is what, see, you can't just go push your faith off on somebody else. You got to hook up with them. Where are they at? What do they believe? He said, I believe I could be even, even more better than yesterday. 
I said, I do too. We pray. Well, I got busy with some other things and, and wasn't inclined to go back the next day. And so it was about uh, three days later. I went back by and they said, oh, we sent him home. I said, send him home? I thought he was about dead. They said, yeah, it's amazing. That's what they said. He had an amazing request. I said, glory to God. So I reckon the next day he must have prayed to be a whole lot better. According to your faith. Wasn't instantaneous, but it was healing. I said, it was healing. Even in the ministry of Jesus. Not everybody was healed instantaneously. Did you see this? And yet they were healed. Y'all got too quiet on that one. You knew that, didn't you? (laughs) They said yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. He said, that's exactly when I was talking to Jesus. That's exactly the same time when Jesus said he lives. Oh, do you see this? Do you see this? When he took Jesus at his word and he turned around and he took that first step, that boy's fever started breaking. Did you see that? And every step he took, the boy kept getting better and better. Every step he took, the boy kept getting better and better until by the time he got there, it was broke. He was well on his way to being whole. Oh, now what happened? Can you read the rest of it? Then what happened? What did they do then? Then the father knew it was at that hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son lives, and he and his entire household believed and trusted in Jesus. And this is the second miracle that Jesus performed. They didn't say, Well, you know, it's just one of those things. It just broke, and it's just, you know, we don't know why. No, they gave the glory to the Lord. Well, it just went in remission. How about he healed you? Well, I don't know how that worked that way, but it just, you know, it just, no, God heard you. He answered you. He met your needs. When the Lord does do something for you, don't pass it off and say, well, we don't really know. Maybe it would have happened anyway. Oh, that's bad. Give God the glory. Anybody wants to know about it, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. The Lord healed me. You go, well, oh, oh, you're one of those? Yeah. One of those healing, believing people? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? So you have to watch about being embarrassed about these things or you'll you'll cut yourself off from the blessings of God. Are you one of those? You go go over to Faith Life Church? We've heard about that bunch. They talk in tongues, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You can too. You want to join us? (laughs) Ah, boy, they uh, they believe in prosperity, don't they? That prosperity. Yeah. Amen. They believe in healing. They believe God still works miracles today. They believe God will heal you right there in church. Amen. That's right. Yes. I'm one of them. Yeah. Anybody in here besides me? Yeah. One of them. Yeah. One of them believers. Yeah. One of them faith people. Yeah. One of them healing, prosperity believing. Yeah. Authority over the devil believing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Shouting, praising folks. Yeah. If you're one of them, stand up. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.